today we'll talk about glorification. And we'll talk about some other events surrounding uh, glorification as well. Uh, we'll be jumping around our Bible quite a bit today, looking at flipping back and forth through a lot of different passages. So have your Bible ready, ready to go, ready to move from one uh, to the next. So let's pray, and then we will uh, do a review of some messages and then get into glorification. Let's pray together. Father God, oh, how we need you. God, we you open our eyes and our ears this morning to hear from you through your word, through the preaching of your word. God, would you give me words to speak that will be for the uplifting and the encouragement and the strengthening of your people here this morning. And so, God, by your spirit, would you work within us, conform us to the image of Christ a little bit more this morning, encourage us in our faith, and uh, give us courage to, to go out and live for your glory this week. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to start with a quick review of justification. So flip in your Bible to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. And justification. Romans chapter 3 verse 28 says this. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. And so we saw in that message that you are unrighteous due to your sin. You need righteousness before God, but you are unrighteous because of your sin. And you need a righteousness that you cannot earn. You don't have the ability to earn the righteous standing that you need before God. But in justification, God declares you to be righteous. In that declaration, it's a a legal declaration of removing guilt. There's no longer guilt for your sin. You have the righteousness of Christ. God declares it to be true of you. And we saw that this comes by faith, by believing and trusting in Jesus' death and resurrection, uh, in who he is and his eternal reign, that by faith you are justified by God. It's not a matter of works. It's not a matter of following the law. Jesus has done every bit of work necessary for you to be declared righteous. He did the work in his death and resurrection. And so God then comes to you. You are justified by faith, declared to be righteous. Our second message was on sanctification. Flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We see a picture of sanctification here in verse 16. Verse 16 says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. And so once you have been justified by God, you then enter this process of sanctification. Right? Sanctification is the process, ongoing process, of being made holy, being made to be more and more like Jesus Christ. And so though your body is deteriorating, it's aging, though it's breaking down, though it's wasting away, as this verse says, your inner self, your soul, your spirit, your immaterial, the non-material part of you is in this 
process of being renewed in the likeness and image of Jesus. Sanctification. Then, for today, glorification. To turn over to Philippians chapter 3. A few books to your right. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 20, says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. And so glorification is when these lowly bodies of ours are transformed. They will be remade like the glorious resurrected body of Jesus Christ. We are made to be like him even in our bodies. And as this, these verses state, we are, we're awaiting this time. Right? We're waiting. That hasn't happened yet. We're waiting for the time when Jesus, our Savior, will come and we'll be transformed and brought to our eternal home in heaven. That's where we belong. That's our home. That's what we are awaiting. We're waiting for that to happen. And so that is glorification. But between this state of sanctification, which we're all in now, and glorification, which is to come, there is this intermediate state we call death. Death. Now, death can be a a difficult topic to address, especially for those of you who have lost loved ones. Uh, Please stick with with me as this is a message of hope. God has given us great hope. But sometimes we have to work through the difficult things in order to get to the better things. That's what we're going to see this morning. The gospel is a great example of that, right? In the gospel, we have to address the evil of sin before we can get to the salvation that is to come in the death and resurrection of Christ. And so this might be tough for you this morning. Please hang with me. Pray that you would be encouraged along the way. So a person comes to faith in Jesus Christ. They are justified by God. They enter into this process of sanctification, of being renewed, and then, unfortunately, comes this stage of death. And so death is a separation. It's a separation of soul and body. It's a separation of the immaterial part of who you are and the physical material part of who you are, right? You have a non-physical part and a physical part. It's all part of you. It's all part of you being a a holistic person. But when death comes, death separates. Separates the soul and body. So again, let's remember where death comes from. Death was never meant to be. It's a a horrible result of Adam's sin. It's part of the, the curse that is now in the world due to sin. Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 26, that death is an enemy. It's not a friend. It's spread to all against us. And as Romans 5, 12 tells us, death spread to all men because all sinned. So death is an evil thing, right? It's a result of sin. It's part of the consequence of sin. It's an ugly reality that we all must face. This position of separation of soul 
and body. And this position remains until we are glorified. But even at death, we still have hope because we have a gracious God. God is gracious to us even in death. Death comes as a result, the consequence of sin, and yet even in that, God is gracious to us. How? Well, first, death is a temporary state. Death is temporary. It won't last. Now, when we have a a loved one who dies, it feels pretty permanent, doesn't it? There's a lot of pain that comes with that. And we should mourn and we should grieve because death is an end, but death is not the end. It's not final. It will not last. It is only temporary. This is why the Bible often refers to it as sleep. We'll see that throughout Scripture. We'll see some in a little bit here where the Bible refers to death as sleep. It's for a time. What comes after sleep? Waking up, right? And so death is like a sleep. But we grieve, and we grieve with hope because the Lord Jesus has won victory over death, right? There's more to come even after this state of death. This thinking doesn't come naturally to us, does it? It takes faith to believe this, right? It, has to take, it takes faith beyond what we can see because what we can see is only the death, right? It takes faith to believe God's word and what comes beyond that. So we need this encouragement. We need this reminder from one another of what is to come. But God is gracious to us and that death is only temporary. Second thing, God is gracious to us In death, even when our soul and body are separated, because our souls go immediately to be with Jesus. Immediately be with Jesus. And first, uh, excuse me, in Philippians chapter 1, flip over there. Philippians chapter 1. Paul here is contemplating his life and his potential death. He knows that that's a real possibility for him. It may come. And so he's contemplating this. And here's what he writes in verse 23. Paul says, I am hard-pressed between the two, between life and death. My desire is to depart, to die, and be with Christ, for that is far better. And so Paul says, he's thinking about life and death, and he says, I actually would prefer to die. (laughs) Why would he say such a thing? Well, he tells us, for that is far better It's far better. As horrible as death is, as unnatural as it is to separate us, to separate soul and body, it is a far far better position for us to be in than when we are now. Why? Because when we go, our soul then is with Christ. Now, right now, we are with Jesus Christ. That's true. We are united together with him through the Holy Spirit who indwells us. But when these bodies die, our soul separates and goes immediately to be with Jesus in his presence in a much greater way than what could be experienced here on this earth in these mortal bodies. Isn't God gracious to us? Even in the tragedy of death, and death is a tragedy, God is so good to those who are his by faith He's full of grace. We don't deserve this because of our sin. But God is gracious to us. 
And so death is a temporary separation of body and soul. The body goes into the ground. The soul goes to be with Jesus. So justification, sanctification, death, and then comes glorification. Glorification will take place at the return of Christ. So let me first remind you that Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Look in Philippians here. Chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 20. We already read this. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So our home is in heaven, and from heaven we are waiting for the Savior, Jesus, to come back and get us. Jesus is coming back. Flip over to Acts chapter 1. Back to your left. Acts chapter 1, after the four Gospels. Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 9. Jesus has died, and he's been raised from the dead. He's with his disciples. Verse 9, and when he, Jesus, had said these things, as they, the disciples, were looking on, Jesus was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, angels, and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So here at Jesus' ascension, when he raised up into heaven, it was declared by angels that he would be coming back. Jesus is coming back. Flip over to Hebrews chapter 9. More towards the end of your, your Bible, a little bit back from the end of your Bible. Hebrews chapter 9. Verse 27 and 28. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. So Jesus came once, he came and he already bore sin. There's no need to do that again, but he will come again. He will come to save completely and finally for all time those who have come to faith in him. Jesus is coming again. Let this be an encouragement to you. Revelation chapter 1, last book of the Bible. Revelation chapter 1. In verse 7, it says, Behold, he, Jesus, is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. Jesus is coming back. He is coming. Again, this takes faith to believe it. It takes faith to believe God's word. And what God says is actually true and is actually going to happen. We don't see this with our earthly eyes. We know it from God's word. Jesus is coming back. Throughout the Bible, we see this. All throughout the Bible, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Do you believe it? Are you ready? Are you prepared? He's coming. 
when? Well, the time of Jesus' return is not known to us. We read through this, we see this a couple times in Scripture in Mark chapter 13, uh, referring to the return of Christ. In verse 32, we read, but concerning the, the day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So what do we do? Verse 33, be on guard, keep awake, for you, you do not know the time when the time will come. So the time is unknown to us. We don't know when. The Bible just says we need to be ready all the time. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1 tells us this as well. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. You don't need to be told this. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. So Jesus is coming. We just don't know when. So be ready all the time. Right? Be ready all the time. We are looking to that day when Christ returns. So this morning, again, our goal isn't to go through all the examination of end times and all the details and how that's all going to play out. That's not what we're looking at today. For today, just know that Jesus is coming back. He will return in a similar fashion as to how he left and was ascended into heaven. So let me give you some thoughts to ponder on this. Do you live your life as if Jesus is coming back? Right? Do you believe it, but then do you live that way? Do you live your life as if Jesus is coming back? Do you live your life as if, as if your time here on this earth is limited? Do you invest yourself in things of eternal significance rather than earthly pleasures? Jesus is coming back, and he's coming soon. So what happens when Jesus comes? We'll look at a couple things. We'll look at what happens for believers who have died, those who are in Christ by faith who have passed away, and we'll look at believers who are still alive on the earth when Jesus comes. So turn with me, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians talks multiple times about Jesus coming back, things that will take place there. So First Thessalonians 4, starting in verse 13. We'll work our way through this a little bit here. Verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. So here we see this reference to being asleep. Right? This is referring to death. We don't want you to be uninformed about those who are asleep, those who have died, right? As we've seen, their souls are with Jesus, right? Verse 14, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. So here it is. This gospel, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, is our hope. We have faith to believe this. We have faith to believe that it actually matters for us. And here we see when Jesus comes back, he will br bring with him all of those believers who have 
died up until that point. Right? He'll, he'll, they will be coming, they'll be brought with Jesus. Verse 15, For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. So when Jesus comes back, those who have died go first to be with Jesus before those who are still alive. All right? Okay, so wait a minute. I thought they were already with Jesus, right? Well, yes and no. Right? <laughs> Remember, death is a separation of soul and body, right? At death, soul goes to be with Jesus. Body goes into the, the grave. So soul is with Jesus when he comes back. Bodies will be raised and brought to Jesus, right? Before those who are alive, all right? Verse 16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So Jesus will come back from heaven to earth. He will descend just as he ascended. It will be loud. It will be magnificent. It will be glorious. And when he comes, the decomposed bodies of all those believers who have died over the centuries will be raised from the grave and they will be reunited with their perfected souls and they will be with Jesus, complete together again, complete full person, once again, body and soul together. How magnificent, right? How incredible. Now, how is that going to happen? What's the scientific explanation explanation of this process? I have no idea. <laughs> but God does. Right? But God does. Think back to our bucket of dirt. Right? Genesis 2, 7 says, The Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Our God can do this stuff. <laughs> he can do it. He's done it before in creation. He'll do it again with all those who have died to raise somehow from the dust of the earth, raise up the body of believers and remake them. Incredible. Our God can do this. Do you have faith to believe it? Do you have faith for all this? Do you trust God's word and all that it says? This is our hope. So this is God's work of glorification. God takes our old mortal body. He raises it. He remakes it. He perfects it. And he transforms it into a glorified state that our bodies may be like Jesus Christ's resurrected body. And then he reunites it with your perfected soul and you become a perfect whole person again. And this then is your eternal state of being. You'll be wholly perfected in Christ in every way. Wholly perfected in Christ in every way. Nothing missing. No flaw. Completely perfect. You see, when the Son of God came to redeem a people for himself, he came for a total and complete redemption. Every part of you conformed to the likeness of Jesus. This is what the gospel is all about. 
It's about your soul, your inward spirit being conformed to the image of Jesus, and ultimately in glorification, your physical body conformed to the image of Jesus. Every aspect of the curse of sin is undone by the work of Christ, right? Every aspect of the curse of sin is undone by the work of Christ. Genesis 3.19 says, for you are dust, this is part of the consequence of sin, for you are dust and to dust you shall return. That's part of the consequence, right? And yet even your body is redeemed by Jesus. It's incredible, every bit. Because Jesus has been raised from the dead, you too will be raised from the dead. Glorification shows us once again the greatness, the mightiness, the glory of our God. How magnificent he is. Worthy of worship. So what happens then to believers who are still alive at the coming of Jesus? We've looked at what happens to believers who have died, who have entered into the sleep of death. What about those who are still alive when Christ returns? Keep your place here in 1 Thessalonians. We'll come right back to it, but flip over to 1 Corinthians just a little bit to the left in your Bible, back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter 15, starting verse 51. It says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, that's the sleep of death, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. So here, believers that are still alive are changed at his coming. They get to skip the, the, the state of death. Right? They skip over that stage, that state of death. They go right from sanctification process to glorification. The perishable body is changed to be imperishable. can't be destroyed any longer. The mortal body, the body that is prone to sickness and death, is changed to immortal, no longer prone to those things. And they too... Believers who are still alive at the coming of Christ will be wholly perfected in Christ. Flip back then to 1 Thessalonians 4, where we were before. 1 Thessalonians 4, starting in verse 17. Then we who are still alive, who are left, okay, after, so end of verse 16, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So that happens first. Then, verse 17, we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So believers who have died are raised first, reunited with their souls. Then believers who are still alive are raised as well. When those who are alive are raised, their bodies are changed, glorified, brought to the resurrected, glorified state of Christ's physical body. And believers of all time will be together with the Lord and with each other, always and forever. Oh, 
What glory that will be. What glory that will be. So what will your resurrected, glorified body be like? We like to imagine this sometimes. Maybe we'll be a few pounds lighter or a little prettier, right? Well, to start, you already know what your current earthly body is like, right? It ages. It's weak. It's prone to sickness and viruses like a COVID-19 virus. It's temporal. It won't last. It's wearing out. How about our resurrected bodies, glorified bodies? There's a small number of similarities, but many differences. First, your resurrected, glorified body will be recognizable, right? You will be able to recognize one another, right? We'll be together. Think about Jesus when he was raised, when he was resurrected, he was recognizable, right? To those who knew him, it'll be the same for you. There'll be continuity. So you're it won't be a complete, we say new body, and that's true in a sense, but it won't be completely new because there will be an actual resurrection. It's not like God has a body just waiting for you to plug into, right? It will be an actual resurrection. There's continuity. Your actual body will somehow be raised and will be made new. There's a continuity in your body. Your resurrected body will be healthy and strong. It will not decline. It will not waste away. Your glorified body will be free from earthly limitations. It will be sustained by continuous life-giving power from the Holy Spirit. Your resurrected body will be glorious and beautiful. It will be the perfect embodiment for your perfect soul. You will have a perfect physical body to complement and house your perfect inward soul, wholly perfected. Your resurrected body will be suitable for heaven and for God's very presence. You'll be fully capable of perfect worship and service to Almighty God. It will last for all eternity. It will not fade. It will not die. Praise God. These are eternal things. How can this be? God will make it so. He will do it. What a powerful and mighty God we have. God will do it. Turn over to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, a couple verses and a couple observations. Romans has been building up to chapter 8. Looking at righteousness, you've been justified by faith. We are in this battle of sanctification. We're looking towards things at the end. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 says this, For those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he, God, predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. So first observation here is that glorification is certain to happen. It is certain to happen. Why do I say that? Look at the word glorified here. It's past tense, right? Paul writes this in past tense. Why? 
Why wouldn't he say, you will be glorified? Well, glorification is such a sure thing. Paul was so convinced of this that he wrote about it as if it had already happened. Right? In other words, it's impossible for God not to glorify you. It's impossible if you come to faith in Christ, glorification is impossible not to happen. It will happen. It is a sure and certain thing. It will happen. Second observation, glorification here is God's work. It's his doing. Right? Look here. Who predestined you? God did. Right? Who called you? God did. Who justified you? God did. Who glorifies you? God does. It's all of God. It's all of his work. It's all of his doing. What is our God like that he would do all this for you? What kind of incredible love must he have for you? What care for you? What kindness toward you? What grace towards you? Undeserving in your sin, and yet God is so gracious. He saves to the full, not just a little salvation. This is a great, big, glorious salvation. So let's make a little bit of application here. What should your response be to all of these things? First thing is simply to love God. Love God. Love who he is. Praise him. Worship him. The one who through Jesus Christ will perfect you in every way and make you suitable to dwell in his presence forever. He is so great. He is so mighty. He is so worthy of your affection. Love God with your whole being, with all that you are. Second thing, have hope. Have hope because there is a a resurrection to come. Death does not have the final say. Jesus Christ, the one with all power and authority, has the final say. Flip back to the Gospel of John. John chapter 11. In John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus comes here as his friend Lazarus has died, been in the tomb four days. He comes to the home of Mary and Martha, talking with Martha. In verse 25, he says this. Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Friends, this is our great hope, the resurrection of the dead and eternal life in Jesus Christ. Death has not the final say. Jesus has the final say. Have hope as well because this present world is not your home. Flip over to John chapter 14. A few chapters over. John chapter 14. In verse 2, Jesus says this, 
In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Your home, friends, is with Jesus in heaven for all eternity. That's your home. This should give you great hope. You should live with a a longing for Christ's return. We know it's going to happen. We saw that. We should live with that longing for that. Come, Lord Jesus. Live with the longing for your eternal dwelling place in heaven with God forever and ever. There is eternal blessing and eternal glory that awaits. And nothing compares to it. Nothing compares to it. Heaven is far better than anything you can ever imagine. We, we play this game, though, sometimes. I hope heaven has ice cream, right? Or whatever it might be. I hope I, hope I can play soccer in heaven, whatever it might be. And yet, that we're fooling ourselves. Heaven is so much greater, so much beyond anything we could imagine from here on earth. Long for that day. Long for heaven. The best things of this life aren't worth comparing to the glories of heaven. Have great hope for what is to come. So love God, have hope. Third, live purposefully. Live your life with a, as a life of purpose. Don't just do things randomly. Live with purpose. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul's writing with this view. We looked at these verses. I'll, I'll, you'll all be changed. This view of eternity. Uh, in your glorified state. And then he says in verse 58 of chapter 15, therefore, with this view of eternity and what is to come, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. These truths that we've seen today should affect not only what we believe, which they should, they should also, also affect how we live. Live your life purposefully for the glory of God. You will never be disappointed if that's the approach you take to life. Live a life of service to God and be ready for Christ's return because he's coming and he's coming soon. Let's pray. Father God, We worship you. God, I have nothing left than just to bow before you, to bow before your glory, to bow before your holiness. As a person, as people who are undeserving, and yet as we see how much we don't deserve all this, we see your great grace towards us. Father, let the thought of Christ's return, our glorification, our eternal home, be such an encouragement to us to live our lives fully for you, to not hold anything back for ourselves, but to truly offer ourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to you. And God, we do long for that day when Christ returns, makes all things new. And so we ask, come, Lord Jesus. 
come into our lives now more and more in this process of sanctification, but come. Father, send Christ back to this earth that we would be made new, that we'd be brought home and have perfect worship in your presence for all eternity. Praise you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.